This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 416, and you're listening to The Daniel Glass Show, only on Drummer's Resource. This is it, right here. Uh-huh. Then you gotta add some with a little tricks. Ah, ah, you'll be swinging. Uh-huh. Right. It's The Daniel Glass Show on Drummer's Resource, offering a deeper look into Daniel's unique take on music, drumming, and life. Philosophy, motivation, musical deconstructions, and conversations with influential voices in the music industry. Hey everybody, it is Daniel Glass. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Daniel Glass Show, right here on Drummer's Resource. And uh, for starters, I just want to point out that uh, it is a stormy day in New York City. And you might be hearing some rumbling behind me occasionally from time to time. That would be thunder. Um, so snuggle in. I know it's summer, but it's kind of a miserable and rainy day here. And uh, while away your cares with another episode of the Daniel Glass Show. Um, I guess uh, it's it's been a wild few weeks for me, so I had to miss a week last week, so I apologize for that. Normally, I'm on an every two-week schedule, so I should be back on an every two-week schedule now. Um, I've been doing a lot of different kinds of stuff, like a lot, very, very diverse stuff, and so I thought today um, I would spend my time talking about diversification is really what I've titled this episode, Um, the importance of diversification, and you know, Yes, we hear about this everywhere. It's important to be diverse, important to do a lot of different things. Maybe for musicians in particular, it's important to uh, have, you know, a lot of different skill sets um, and to be able to play a lot of different styles of music. You know, people talk about that, but I'm going to get even more deep. Um, and, you know, my my brand, essentially, uh, if you if you go to my my Facebook business page. It's called Daniel Glass Drummer Author Educator. And for years, my business card said Daniel Glass Drummer Author Educator. And, you know, our business cards or our Facebook pages describe who we are and what we do. But I literally have three separate careers um, with each of of these headings. It's not just sort of kind of three things that I do, but really I make my living as a drummer for the most part. I literally have three separate careers as a drummer, an author, and an educator. And each one I've developed over the years, uh, each one I nurture separately. And I sort of develop these things um, not, you know, maybe at, at, at the beginning it was sort of um, unintentional, but um, over the last few years, as each sort of branch of the career has evolved, um, I've, I really treat each one as its own separate thing. And it, it's, of course, extremely um, keeps me on my toes, keeps me very, very busy. But I find that it has really helped me to establish my brand and to allow me to essentially run my own business, run myself as a business. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm now at a place, I'm 52 years old, I'm at a place after 27 years in this business where I feel like um, it's where I want it to be. And it's very exciting in that realm. So I'm going to talk about diversification because um, I sort of think that 
we need to think about this on a variety of different levels. And I'm, I'm sort of going to um, offer four important reasons why diversification matters, why it's important, and how it, can, how, it, how it might look to you or how it might help you in your thinking about getting your career together. And the reason, you know, why is that there's a lot of musicians out there, and this has always been the case. It's never been easy for us to make a living or to be fulfilled with what we're doing or to pursue our true passions uh, in this business. Um, it's never been easy to do that. And t- today's world, it's harder than ever, perhaps, on, in some other ways, it might be easier than ever because of the tools that we have available to us. And so I've talked a lot about business kinds of ideas and, and talked a lot about motivational ideas. And I'm just going to look at it again from a different angle in terms of this concept of diversity. So why is diversity important? And I would say reason number one is that, and as I just mentioned, today's world demands it. So, you know, when I was first coming up in the early 90s, um, I knew a lot of older musicians who had made a living uh, from being in a single band, uh, whether it was a band that was a well-known band touring or it was a band that played uh, five nights a week at a Holiday Inn lounge or um, played blues bars. And there were lots and lots of blues bars that actually hired bands uh, to play. Um, and, or I knew musicians that made a very good living from teaching. They had a studio in their house. They taught five days a week, eight hours a day, um, and were able to make enough living to have a mortgage and send children to college on that. Uh, here in New York, there's a lot of musicians who are full-time Broadway musicians. Uh, there are musicians that are, you know, make a living on cruise ships. So there are plenty of ways to make a living, but, a lot of that these days has um, has kind of evaporated, um, and a lot of gigs where you're playing in clubs now, the clubs don't pay you anymore. You have to, in order to make any money, you have to bring in an audience because the world doesn't necessarily go out to a club to see a cover band anymore, which is something that people used to do all the time. That was just a regular activity, but now that that's not where we are in the world of music. So, you know, diversity is demanded um, because of the world that we live in today. I think a lot of musicians, I've made this point before, but I'm going to make it again. And that is this, that once you claim that you want to be a professional musician or you are a professional musician, you know, that, that this is what you are doing, uh, for a living, or this is what you want to do, essentially you are stating that you are a small business and you must think of yourself as a business, as a business person, and you must begin to look at it that way. And I think, interestingly, in the world that we live in today, there are a ton of resources to help us do that. Um, there's a lot of ways for us to learn those skill sets. Um, for me, I was lucky because I fell in with my band Royal Crown Review a couple of years after I got out of music school, and it was a a learn-on-the-job kind of thing about what it means to be a business. So, um, you know, when we started, we weren't signed to any record label. We weren't, um, you know, we didn't have fancy management. We didn't, we didn't, we just 
were, you know, like most bands that started to click, we were making money, but we were on our own to figure out how to deal with that. And uh, I already came into the band after the organization had been around for about five years, but it was a very small business at that point. And um, when we started, you know, doing national tours, the first several years that we did national tours, even after we were on the Warner Brothers label, we were still... um, They didn't give us any tour support money. So we had to figure out about renting vehicles. We had to figure out about getting from gig A to gig B uh, for two months. Um, About merchandise, printing up merch, having enough merch to go with you on the road, uh, selling it, then doing basic bookkeeping. um, Things like email and web design. Uh, We had nobody doing those things for us. And this, trust me, this was... The mid to late 90s, I remember getting my first laptop, which had a black and white screen, and you had to plug in, bring a modem with you, plug it in into a phone line somewhere, um, and it took forever to deal with emails. You know, it was a, a very, very primitive, and the, and the internet. Um, but these were all skill sets that I kind of jumped in on. I was always interested in how um, things operated, and... At some point, I also felt like if I was going to make money out of this, I wanted to make sure that that we weren't throwing our money away. So I kind of became the band business guy for Royal Crown Review, and for the first you know few years that we did it, um, I was very involved in the day to day. And then I started you know handing it off to our once we had a. A, a business manager and a bookkeeper and you know I would prep that stuff but I was going to banks and putting in big cash deposits and you know all kinds of stuff I was I was handling that and so um, a lot of my approach to how I run my business comes from the learning that I just did on the fly in those years uh, of of being involved with Royal Crown View but doesn't mean that you can't take on those same kinds of tasks and begin to develop um, your understanding and awareness of how to run a business. I think a lot of musicians, you know, don't think of themselves as a business. They don't feel like they have to, you know, they think, well, I just, I make great music or I make great art or I make, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an art, I'm an artist and I don't want to, um, get my hands dirty with that kind of stuff. Well, in this world of that requires diversification, you know, a business skill set is absolutely required in addition to a, 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 a an artistic skill set. And it always has been. If you think about artists that were very in control of their own career, people like Prince or Sting, you know, these people are as on top of their business as they are a Dave Matthews band. They were a great example of the time before the internet got big. They would sell boatloads of merchandise uh, when you would buy one of their CDs or one of their albums, um, you would get a catalog, a merchant, a good old-fashioned merchandise catalog you could order away. And these guys made tons and tons of money um, doing a mail-order merchandise business um, long before the Internet you know, made it standard issue and you just put your stuff up online. I remember seeing that and going, God, I've never heard of the Dave Matthews Band, but they really seem to have this thing dialed. So... Um, you know, the the world demands diversity. And I think not only diversity in terms of, um, you know, business skills to help your artistic stuff, but also, um, you know, how are you going to develop different parts of yourself? What is your business going to look like? Um, my business looks like 
a performer, an author who writes books and writes articles, um, and an educator. And I, I teach probably 12 to 15 hours a week on Skype, um, which doesn't sound like a huge amount, but when you consider I'm gigging 20 nights a month and I'm working on two book projects uh, and always have deadlines for various articles I'm writing, um, you know, it's, it's a full plate. But for me, the world demands it. And I think this leads us to reason two, why is diversity important? Because, and this for me is a really big one, I want to control my own destiny, for better or for worse. I talked about this in a previous episode of this podcast, um, where I talked about, um, you know, leader or sideman, which one are you? That's episode 366 here on Drummer's Resource. And um, basically, a lot of musicians sit back and wait for the phone to ring, especially drummers. You know, as drummers, we tend to put ourselves in a very passive light as being the ones who are we're always giving our all to support other people's projects that other people get the glory from, other people get the money from, other people get uh, all the benefits from. And we, you know, that other, you know, what always cracks me up is like you come up with an inventive drum part, but the world doesn't care about drum parts. You can't copyright a drum part. The only things you could copyright in terms of getting publishing royalties for songwriting are the melody and the lyrics. Yet so much of today's music is based around guys programming beats you know that that the beat is is and always has been the rhythm has always been a, a big part of things so as drummers we need to you know learn how to control our own destinies and i i personally just don't want to be sitting around waiting for the other shoe to drop i've been fired from gigs where I went out on tour with a very major artist and got fired. Uh, All my eggs were in that basket. I came home to nothing and had to start, you know, kind of from scratch. Um, It's it's a very tough position to be in, being a sideman, especially when you're trying to make a consistent living at it. Uh, Often, if you're a sideman, you spend your whole life on the road. And I have spent years on the road and wasn't interested in, in... being away from home. I'm, I'm in New York City now, and I want to really pursue my agenda here in the city. So, you know, having the teaching allows, and, and you know, that's a technology thing. Teaching on Skype allows me to have students all over the world, but I don't have to leave the comfort of my own living room to teach. Um, and uh, the way I've dealt with making a lot of noise in a small apartment in New York City is that I record videos of all of the exercises, uh, make noise on the video, and then I show the student the video or we work on things that way and they, they have a reference after the fact to work on it on their own, on their drum set. A lot of times they're on their drum set, but I'm coaching them from, from my end. And it works exceptionally well. And I just, it's just amazing to me um, how Skype teaching has grown and developed and evolved, or online teaching, I should say, because I use sometimes other platforms. Uh, I've got a student in Mumbai, India. I've got now three students in Russia. I've got uh, students in South America. I've got a student in Aberdeen, Scotland, uh, Germany, um, the UK, uh, New Zealand, Australia, every single time zone in the United States, including Hawaii. Um, 
Oh, there goes some thunder in the background. Uh, but it is, um, it's just wonderful and amazing, and it allows me an income stream uh, that, that helps, you know, mean that I could stay here in New York, and I don't have to necessarily pursue musical uh, entities that, that I don't really believe in. Um, and so this kind of leads me, I guess, to, you know, uh, part three, uh, or reason three of why is diversity important? And that is that, you know, sort of tag teaming on, I want to control my own destiny. I also, I want a rich and fulfilling life that is full of challenge. And, you know, I think a, a lot of people would say, what do you want out of life? Well, I guess I want to be happy. And what does happy mean? Well, happy means different things to different people. At this season of my life, what I want, and I'll say it again, a rich and fulfilling life that is full of challenge. Um, I enjoy being challenged. Uh, I don't necessarily like doing the same thing over and over again. And uh, I'm going to just speak about this, you know, in, in, in sort of a variety of terms and tell a couple of stories. And, and one thing is that, and probably many of you have had the same experience. People come up, they find out you're a musician, and they say, well, who's your favorite drummer? Or who's your favorite band? Or who's your favorite guitar player? And my answer always to those questions is, um, well, on Mondays, I sometimes like Chinese food. On Tuesdays, I like Italian. Wednesdays, I like a big salad. And Thursdays, uh, I like a steak, you know? Meaning, to me, variety is where it's at. So this week, you know, well, two weeks ago, I had a, I, I would talk about, I did a couple of episodes about um, uh, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. And the reason was that I was prepping to, to get together with a bunch of guys from college I hadn't played with in 30 years and do some Led Zeppelin uh, shows. And, uh, and it, and it so my mind was all about John Bonham. I was focusing on John Bonham. I was jonesing on John Bonham. Uh, I, I had to fly back from the West Coast the day before the first gig, and I, was, I listened to Led Zeppelin bootlegs and outtakes and B-sides and uh, all kinds of cool stuff for literally five and a half hours on my plane flight. And so at that moment, John Bonham was my favorite drummer. But, you know, now I've, where my attention is is somewhere else. And, you know, we... so. I like variety. Some people don't like variety. Um, in keeping with that sort of, are you a leader or a sideman thing? I think a lot of people get trapped in a situation where they're like, okay, I got this gig. I'm doing it. It's working. I'm making a living. I could say, Hey, I'm making a living as a musician. I'm kind of bored. I'm kind of burnt, but I don't care. I'm going to hang there, you know, for, for as long as I can, because I can claim this. And I, you know, I've met, a lot of musicians that say play in wedding bands every weekend they do two or three or four weddings uh, I've met musicians that played on cruise ships uh, I've known musicians that have played um, in Broadway shows where it's eight shows a week cruise ship you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again um, for me that's not what I want for others that is a great thing um, but the point is what you know diversification means that my it offers me constant change and constant challenge and sometimes that's 
exhausting and sometimes it's terrifying, you know. Um, but I feel like I like a, a musical life full of variety and that keeps me feeling alive and excited about it. You know, and I, I will tell you one story that always kind of blows my mind about, about cruise ships. I once did a tour with an artist out of Orlando, Michael Andrew, really excellent uh, swing singer. He was very involved in the swing uh, resurgence of the 90s and got to know him then, and he's, uh, he's down in Orlando. Um, we went on a regional tour, and a lot of the musicians in the band, this is around 2003, had done a lot of time on cruise ships because there's a lot of cruise ships going out of Orlando. And they talked about some of the people that were like lifers on these cruise ships, that they had their little thing that they did, and they were miserable, but they were too afraid to leave the ship and come back to the real world because that meant sort of having to challenge themselves. And they didn't want to challenge, they just stuck where they were, but it made them really miserable. And, you know, the idea was that um, if you've ever been on a cruise ship, you know that the crew... Uh, that the musicians sometimes are treated like passengers, but often they're treated like the crew, which is a very separate standard of living. So, um, you know, these these musicians were, they would go to the crew bar, and it was very cheap to buy booze at the crew bar. And so, you know, as with a lot of people who are bored in their life or in some kind of routine that they're just stuck in, they would just drink their brains out every night. And literally, there were several musicians on this on these ships who had spent so much money in the crew bar, even though the drinks were cheap, that they literally owed money to the cruise line. They were actually in hock to the cruise line, you know, which just boggles the mind. Can you imagine spending years of your life doing something that you were bored with and hated and then made nothing, had nothing to show for it. So that's not me. And I think that's probably not most people. So, you know, it's, I have worked really hard so that I have some kind of variety in my life and that I feel it's rich and challenging. And I just want to kind of read you guys some of the stuff that I've done just in the last couple of weeks um, that is sort of indicative of, of, you know, where I'm at. So, um, just looking back to earlier in July, I did a a gig with Gunhilde Carling, who's like a incredible trombone player from Sweden. And she does mostly kind of 1920s type stuff. And then, uh, I did a gig with, a Broadway artist named Max von Essen, who's starring right now uh, in a big Broadway show called Anastasia. And and his stuff is very cabaret. I do a lot of cabaret-type work in New York, which is very kind of quiet playing and very, um, very uh, it's, it's incredibly about working with a singer, breathing the music with a singer, and really creating a, a beautiful... Um, colors and certainly a pulse, but uh, really developing sort of a lush uh, pulse so that singers can tell these stories. Cabaret shows usually are uh, a singer telling a variety of stories that are strung together into some kind of a theme. And it's a huge scene here in New York. Uh, The gig that I play on Monday night is generally geared towards cabaret. Um, So that's very different than a raucous 1920s type gig. Um, And then uh, I went to California for a week, and I 
step put on my educator hat and I spent two days at drum channel up at the DW facility in Oxnard shooting, um, a bunch of lessons that went along with my century project DVD, which, which looks at a lot of different styles of drumming. So, uh, I spent two days shooting, uh, kind of, um, a lesson series that would be kind of an accompaniment to the century project. So that involves, you know, a whole nother thing and being able to be in front of the camera and all those kind of things. And then the following day after those two days, I drove down to Orange County and I spent a day down at Aquarian, my drum head company. And I did kind of a whole series on the evolution of drum heads, uh, uh, and how well tom toms really uh and so we we talked about the how the tom the role of it changed from its its humble beginnings as a literally as a chinese uh, uh ethnic instrument and uh how it grew and changed from the swing era up to rock and roll and and then we looked at some very modern uses of the tom tom in styles like gospel drumming or in extreme metal and of course along the way we showed how a lot of these different aquarian heads um help to uh, give you those different, those different kind of sounds if that's what you're looking for. Uh, and that, there was a lot of playing that day. So what I had to do for the week or so before that was prepare these, these classes. So I was you know in L.A. doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Like I said, I flew back on a Friday. The following day, Saturday, I drove out to New Jersey and spent all day playing Led Zeppelin music and hitting... Harder than I've hit in many years, uh, bringing all my Bonham chops to the table. Uh, so again, a completely different kind of vibe. Then the following day, back out with uh, Max von Essen, we went out to the Hamptons, um, did a gig at a theater out in West Hampton, um, back to New York the next day, another gig with Max, and then my Monday night gig. And then the next day, I started... Uh, with Marilyn May, who's sort of a cabaret legend. She's 90 years old. I really want to get her on the podcast. She's an amazing person and has a lot of cool stuff to say about drummers. Um, That's a totally different situation. And I had to really, with her, I play quieter than I have ever played in my life. And yet she wants it to burn. So I'm challenged in every kind of way, at least with these gigs. Uh, At the same time, over those those last two weeks since since July 9th up to today, uh, including a week in California, I probably had uh, 20, 20 to twenty five st- Skype students. So, you know, and then next week, uh, next Thursday, uh, I am going up to um, uh, 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 what's the name of the town? Rhinebeck, which is about two hours north up the Hudson River. And I'm working with a great guitar player who does music for... Um, uh, 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 he records like pieces of incidental music for reality shows. And that's what he does for a living. So we're going to go to this fantastic studio in Rhinebeck and... Uh, he hires me because he loves kind of the retro vibe and all the kind of vintage grooves that I have at at my in my you know wheelhouse, and I'm going to record a, a whole day uh, doing little 30 second pieces that we write on the spot. It's cool because the three of us split the writer's share for these things, and then they'll get plugged 
theoretically, into a variety of reality shows. You know, if you've ever seen a reality show, almost every scene has some kind of music coming in, and then maybe 30 seconds or a minute later, the next scene starts, another piece of music coming back from commercial, another chunk of music. And depending on the style of the show, uh, that's what the style of the music is. So if it's Pawn Stars, it's one thing. If it's, um, you know... uh, if it's a Duck Dynasty, it's another thing. You know, that, that sort of enhanced the feel and the flavor of the show. So I'll spend, this is the second session I've done with him. We just spend all day recording uh, these little pieces of music. So different skill sets there. Um, in the meantime, as August tapers down, I'll get back to a book that I'm writing um, and, and have a little bit of time. I'm going to try to not knock out another chunk with uh, my writing partner, Kelly Ray Tubbs, on this book that we're doing about the life of drummers between 1900 and 1930. So, you know, not to, to like brag about my career, but I feel like I'm bragging. I mean, I feel like I look at my calendar and it's kind of crazy. Like it's, it's exhausting, but I'm also just so challenged by what's happening and Things are so diverse. And for me, that, you know, every day I wake up and I go, if today was my last day on earth, could I look back and say, yes, I'm happy with how it, what I did and how it worked out and what's happening. And for me, at this moment, absolutely. I mean, I, I've worked very hard so that I can have this life of diversification and I'm, I'm, Overwhelmed by it, un, uh, you know, but also happy. And by the way, I forgot to mention that I have to do a podcast every two weeks, and that's uh, takes time and energy and focus as well. And I'm, you know, constantly coming up with social media content and all that kind of stuff, which is all part of of running the business. So um, the last point I want to make is again. We are living an an unusual life, so we have to act unusually, and. You know, I've already made this point in an earlier podcast, um, Five Strategies for Living an an Unusual Life, which is episode 392 here on Drummer's Resource. Um, But I want to just stress this point again, that the life that we live as musicians, when we declare to the world that we are musicians, we immediately take on not only... Um, a, a role or a, a we, we are saying I am a small business and, and therefore must act as a small business, but we are saying I'm not going to live life the way everybody else does. And I must embrace that and I must, I must fully leap into that with all of my, um, all of my energy, all of my, my uh, sense of purpose I think it's it's very easy to get frightened and let fear kind of dominate the decisions that we make. So I think those cruise ship musicians that I spoke about, they're acting based on fear. They've got something that they're playing music every day, someone's giving them money, but they're drinking away their lives and living on a ship in the middle of the ocean, and maybe that's really not what they want to be doing. And so... I would encourage all of you that even if you are doing what you want to be doing, are you happy? Are you being challenged? Are you allowing your fear to get in the way of your being unusual? You know, I I think about like Lady Gaga is a good example, a very obvious example. But when she started 
Talk about unusual. She was an oddball. Madonna was the same way. She wasn't like everybody else. And she just said, screw it. I am going to embrace my weirdness, and I'm going to dive into that a thousand percent. I think in my case, my unusual life is that my development and interest as a drummer went in some very strange directions compared to what most drummers do. In the fact that I joined this band Royal Crown Review and I began to write about the history and evolution of drumming, there really wasn't anybody doing that. And I was really, for a long time, very, um, uh, you know, as we would say in Yiddish, verklempt about that because, uh, well, who's going to be interested in what I'm doing? It's so weird. It's so different. Uh, I was not encouraged by people at the beginning. You know, people were like, nobody's interested in that. You're not going to be able to make money at that. You're not, you know, going to, no one's going to be checking out these books that you are dreaming about writing or whatever. Um, And it's not, it's sort of like Lady Gaga. After a while, when you first heard Lady Gaga, you're like, that's stupid. And then you get used to it. And then you realize her music's pretty cool. And then you're totally sucked in and you want, to see the next outrageous dress she's going to wear or the next crazy outfit or the next, you know, song she's going to write. And suddenly, you know, somebody who's named Sting or somebody who's named Madonna or somebody who's named The Edge, uh, all of these, we just accept for who they are. And now it's a brand. So in some ways, it's somewhat similar um, to, you know, to, to my own thing. I've had to take my fears, which, you know, by the way, don't go away. Um, Maybe they get less, but I wake up every day and also feel anxiety. It's not as if, you know, I'm uh, simply uh, uh, full of self-confidence. You know, uh, I question what I'm doing. Once you have more of a track record, things get better. But um, it is when we make our own way, when we embrace our unusual life, with every new project, every new decision, we continue to take a leap of faith. Just because something succeeded in the past doesn't mean something is going to succeed in the future. And you have to trust yourself. You have to believe that your passion, you know, and your hard work and your business savvy is going to take you through this next thing that you're, that you're trying. You have to be smart about it. Um, but at the same time, it is a risk. And I think those that are willing to take risks and really believe in their unusualness, those are the ones who succeed and those are the ones who make change and are feel fulfilled in what they've done or, or are rewarded for what they've done. And not, it's not all about the reward, you know, by any stretch. I mean, I wouldn't. I'd still consider what I do to be rather fringy in the general world of drumming. But these days, most people at least are aware of the work I've done, maybe have seen some of the things that I've done. And again, it's not like I'm just doing this to try to make money, because God forbid that is not the case. But at the same time, it's working. My own unusual pathway, my own strivings to create Daniel Glass, drummer, author, educator, are making the inroads that I had hoped. My passion is convincing people to check this stuff out. And then, of course, buy one of my books or come take a lesson or, um, you know, hire me for a clinic or come to one of my gigs. So, you know, we've got to embrace what makes us unusual 
our unusual lives that we have that we ourselves have chosen if we're going to choose this then let's go for it and let's you know embrace those things and i've i've given many examples of this in other podcasts uh over the years over the year well the the yeah the last couple of years i've been doing podcasts um I, I, what comes to mind is i talked a lot about dave grohl uh in my podcast uh tackling life winging it episode 312 also episode 309 uh, i talk about preparation um you know preparing yourself for your future even if it's not abundantly clear yet what that future is going to be how can you prepare looking at preparation on a variety of levels so that's episode 309 uh tackling life winging it meaning what happens when something just falls in your lap and what are you going to do um you know uh episode 312 um and so in any case, I, I will just wrap by, uh, you know, saying that diversification is sort of one aspect to all of this. And, and um, I hope that, you know, you, you have, um, that if, if your goal is to have a rich, fulfilling, stimulating life, to control your own destiny, to not be beholden to others, especially as an artist, um, and to succeed in this world of today, um, that, that you have... Uh, perhaps gain some inspiration from from this little chat we've been having. So I thank you all once again for joining me on the Daniel Glass Show. I invite you to follow me on Facebook at Daniel Glass Drummer, Author, Educator. Um, I really enjoy feedback. So if you have thoughts about any of these podcasts, please take some time, send me an email. It lets me know that people actually are out there listening to this, which I know that, you know, I know that they are, but it's nice when I hear from them uh, and there's sort of a dialogue. And if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, uh, please let me know. I, one person was, was loved the, the, the two-parter I did on John Bonham, and they wanted me to do something, something similar on Stuart Copeland. So maybe that'll be the next thing that we dig in with uh, as far as kind of deconstructing these different drummers' styles. Um, and with that said, I wish you a wonderful day. And thank you for listening to The Daniel Glass Show right here only on Drummer's Resource. Keep swinging. Keep swinging.